0: I'm sports attorney, Luke Fedlum, and welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Each conversation, we focus on sharing information and having conversations around how athletes can best educate and protect themselves or their life outside of their sports. Welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Luke Fedlum, and I'm excited that you're joining us for this conversation today. Today, I want to talk about advisor management, advisor management. Uh, but before we get into the topic, I just want to thank everyone who is listening, people who have subscribed, people who are sending in comments and have thoughts around topics that we should discuss. This really means a lot. This has been a really interesting experience for me getting into the podcast world, but the feedback and the support that I've gotten from uh, from our listeners, it really means a lot. So thank you so much for for that. And please do continue to share Uh, our podcast with your colleagues your friends share it on social media provide comments uh, wherever you listen to podcasts please do give us a rating as well because that just again reinforces that this is meaningful and that it's helpful so uh, what i like to do is obviously focus on the topics around protecting athletes but at the same time this is not a podcast that's solely for people who work with athletes or for athletes themselves This really can be for anyone. And so hopefully you always can take something from this podcast and apply it to your situation. And I think that that is a great segue for today's topic, which is advisor management. And this idea that definitely whether you're an athlete, whether you're an artist, entertainer, or whether you're someone that just, you know, works in corporate America and has advisors around you, this is hopefully going to be an impactful topic uh, for you today. So let's just dive right in. Advisor management. And what I mean by advisor management is oftentimes, and again, particularly with athletes, there are numerous advisors who want to be around the athlete, uh, who want to be able to advise in areas like money, taxes, business operations, et cetera. And so we typically see You know, the common advisors around athletes are accountants and agents, attorneys, business managers, financial advisors, folks who are focused on insurance. And all of these are important. But I think when we oftentimes share with athletes that you're the CEO of your business or your entity, we have to help athletes understand what that even means to be a CEO. And I think that when we start to have conversation around managing the advisors who will show up and want to provide advice on particular topics. This is one of those steps of being that athlete CEO, which is understanding and more importantly managing those advisors around you. I mean, there are headlines from across sports of athletes who have been taken advantage of by managers, by financial advisors, by accountants, by business managers. And so this idea of being able to manage these advisors is critically important. So if you remember a few episodes back, and if you didn't check it out, feel free to go back and wherever you listen to podcasts and check out one of the conversations that I had with Courtney Altimus from Team Altimus. And we we spoke about the due diligence when it comes to selecting your team of advisors and being able to do those background checks and understanding those people that are coming to provide you services. So go check that podcast episode out, but let's talk more now about what it would look like as you select your team of advisors and and ultimately how you manage that team and hold them accountable. So when you're thinking about selecting your team, first you have to decide what are the services that you're even looking for? Like what are those services that you need? You know, you heard all of the different advisors that I mentioned when thinking about these athletes, the accountant, the agent, attorney, business manager, financial advisor, and so on. What you have to first decide is who is it that you actually need? Like what services are you looking for? Uh, what, what issue or problem are you trying to solve, right? And then you want to think about how are you going to identify and interview those potential new advisors. You want to understand and think about who is it that's going to help you in your selection process. And one of the things that I always share with folks as they're thinking about advisors is to think about what values are important to you, what values are important to you. And this is one that comes up, I think, a lot of times with with agents. And when I'm talking to families before or during their agent selection process, what values are important to you? And especially if, you know, if we want to think about the player themselves, what values are important? And then also the parents, what values are important? There may be some overlap and there may be some things that are different. And having those differences exposed through conversation can allow the family, the player, the parents, guardians, what have you, to come together when making a decision. Because all of the cards are out on the table in terms of what people are looking for. So values are critically important. And then also ultimately, you know, does the advisor meet your needs? Will they be able to provide those services that you're looking for? And then ultimately thinking about, you know, how you're going to hold them accountable as well. So again, when you're selecting your teams, you got a team of advisors, you got to be able to think about, you know, that process. And, and, and the idea of understanding what services you're looking for is, is really important. And this goes for anybody, whether you're working with athletes or, or, or not um, understanding those, those services, it's really important because people will sell you Everything right. I mean they're gonna sell you everything if you have a if you go to buy a new car You know the car salesman is gonna to try to sell you the fully loaded car that has everything in it because everybody wants to Sell you the most but the question is is do you need that right? Do you need the most? So one example of this a lot of times uh, with professional athletes as they transition from college into the pros that that I will share is that Not all players need an investment advisor right? They maybe need someone who can help them with their financial plan, someone who can help them with their budgeting, someone who can help them uh, with their bill paying and making sure that all that happens. But oftentimes, one of the most important things for a new athlete is understanding, a new professional athlete is understanding what their spend rate is. How much money are they spending? In their first year, everything is brand new. Going from being a college student, making nothing or just, you know, minimal dollars from their, their monthly stipends to all of a sudden making a significant amount. And even if they are, um, let's say an undrafted rookie, they're still gonna make league minimum that's over $500,000 a year. And so you wanna think about who can help provide you with the services that you need. And that's important because then that goes back to the whole fee aspect of things because you don't wanna pay for services that you aren't really using or that you don't really need. All right. So, again, this is just kind of getting you in the mindset of thinking about how you select that team around you. And obviously, as I mentioned before, due diligence and actually understanding the people is critically important. And you can do that through background checks and others. But what's also important is understanding the services that you need and the services that are being offered by that particular advisor and do those things align. And if they align, then great. You're on a path towards moving forward to determine if this is the right person to provide you with those services. If they don't align, then you have a better understanding of how best to move forward, you know, obviously with or without that particular advisor. So once you've started to get into the the nitty gritty of the particular advisor that you're thinking about or advisors you're contemplating, you wanna start to think about three different things, right? And, and I like to break it down for clients this way. You want to understand scope, fees, and oversight. Scope, fees, and oversight. So, so what does that mean? So scope is, what is the scope of services that they're providing? right? What is it that you're actually asking them to do for you? right? So that's the scope. Fees, very clearly, right? what does it cost? At the end of the day, that's what most people want to know. What does it cost? How do you charge? How do you make money? right that whole aspect of fees you you just have to understand and then finally the oversight aspect is how do you hold that advisor accountable because let's not forget that advisor is actually working for you right not the other way around so you as the ceo that athlete ceo has to you have to be able to hold that advisor accountable to do what they say they're going to do, to charge you in the way that you believe you're supposed to be charged, notably to make sure that they're not taking advantage of you. And so you got to be able to hold them accountable. And you need to understand how you can best do that, right? So again, scope and oversight. So let's let's break down just a few different advisors to try to hopefully make this clear as to how you would go through understanding these different buckets or these different areas. Let's look first at the agent, right? So if we're thinking about an agent for a player, then when it comes to scope, you want to understand what services are they providing. So clearly as the agent, they're going to be providing, you know, kind of player contract negotiation. So you got that. But then what about marketing? Are they doing your marketing or offering to do your marketing as well? If you're someone who's transitioning from college into the pros, what are they doing as it relates to your training and helping you with your training, providing a training facility for you to go train prior to the draft, prior to the combine and pro days, right? So, and with that, do they provide the lodging and are they providing a stipend and all these other things that come along with that, right? So, you really want to be able to understand the scope. What is it that you need number one and then what is it that this particular let's say agent in this case is offering to provide you because when you know that when you know what you want it makes it a lot easier for you to negotiate something in your favor so that's the scope first then we'd look at the fees right and when we talk about negotiating in your favor oftentimes that has to do with the fees when it comes to agent fees what i always encourage people to understand is first the percentage right what is it that they are charging you to do your contract what does that look like in terms of the fees you know related to the the services being provided so oftentimes in let's just say in football you know it will go anywhere from three percent on down to zero to percent and we'll talk about the zero percent here in a second and then in basketball it may be four percent on down but again these are the percentage fees for negotiating the player contract and so that fee is based on wherever that player gets drafted or whatever the deal is that the that the um, that the agent has negotiated for that player those percentage fees are based on on that salary now there are also oftentimes in these agreements additional fees and those additional fees could be related to a second contract so oftentimes what we'll see is hey um, we'll charge you, maybe it's 0% on this first contract because you're a high potential, you know, high drafty, And so we want to charge 0% because we want you. But if you don't use us for your second contract, right, which oftentimes is that that bigger contract, if you don't use us for that second contract, then those fees will, um, you'll have to pay us the full 3%, let's say, on your first contract. That's critical to understand if that's included in, those, in the agreement that they're, presenting also when it comes to marketing fees how are they charging from that perspective if they're gonna do your marketing are they charging you 20% which oftentimes is kind of the industry norm and I won't say industry standard because I think standard is different than norm right and the norm is what we normally see we normally see 20% but the standard is that the talent the athlete in this case can negotiate whatever it is that they want when it comes to marketing fees and so, oftentimes, because players don't realize that, they'll just pay the 20%, and because that is normal, right? And they hear oftentimes their teammates or their friends and other people that they talk to will say, hey, 20% is normal. But you could negotiate 15%, you could negotiate 10%, you could negotiate whatever you want to negotiate that an agent is willing to accept in order to work with you. So, again, obviously, you have more leverage the more elite you are or the more marketability you have in this instance. Uh, But, again, you want to really understand those marketing fees. And then, finally, I'd also say expenses. And expenses and understanding how expenses are handled is important. And oftentimes, as it relates to the agent, if the agent is going to pay for, you know, a stipend or for your travel or your housing as you're transitioning from college, and you know preparing for the combine and preparing for pro day and and then on to the draft those expenses you really have to understand how they're handled and different agents do them differently sometimes they get paid back sometimes depending on how uh high the player goes in the draft then you know they may be taken care of by the agent but again however it's handled what you need to understand is how what it, what it says in that agreement and how that particular agent is handling it Right? So, again, this is just an example as it relates to agents and understanding the various aspects of fees. And then the final bucket that we talked about is oversight, right? So how do you hold them accountable? And so you want to always make sure that whatever your agent is asking you to sign outside of, let's just say, your player contract, which is, you know, the player contract are so kind of set by the collective bargaining agreements these days, but, but anything else that they want you to sign, making sure that you have a good understanding And have had that agreement analyzed. So whether that's a marketing deal that they're bringing to you, yes, they're going to negotiate what you get paid. But, for example, in in my role as a as a non-agent attorney, my focus is oftentimes making sure that those reviewing those endorsement deals to make sure that the players interests are as protected as best as possible. So you want oversight. You know you can hold them accountable by making sure that you potentially have a, a third-party independent review of anything that you're going to sign. You want to make sure that you fully understand their agent contract or the agreement that the agent is having you sign just to work with them. And you want to make sure that you have a good understanding of how you can have oversight of all their activities. So what what does that mean? Let's let's make that real. So. One of the things that I always talk to players about is you want to make sure that you have a good understanding of how you're paying for or handling your agents uh, and whether it's your marketing agent or player agent, their travel on your behalf. So sometimes, you know, you may see in a marketing agreement that the player will pay for the travel of the agent on behalf of the on behalf of the athlete. But what I always want to do is make sure that there's oversight for that so that any expense over a certain dollar amount has to be approved in writing by the player. And what that does is it helps protect the player from, you know, just unforeseen expenses um, as it relates to their potential agent, you know, traveling. So a good example is, let's say the player is doing some form of, you know, nonprofit event. If the marketing agent or the player agent is going to travel to go to that event um, and be there for the player, should the player pay for it? And and there needs to be a discussion in advance because if the agent is coming to use that as an opportunity to develop business with other players who might be at that event, maybe the player shouldn't pay for that those expenses, right? I think everybody could pretty much agree to that. But if the agent, let's say, is coming to work the event and help that player. Um, make sure that everything is, you know, goes off without a hitch and that, that, you know, all of the people are where they're supposed to be and that the event runs smoothly, then that's a little bit different. The the agent is actually being there to work and, and their reimbursement of their expenses could seem much more normal. But that's just one way of having oversight and holding, you know, that particular advisor accountable. So again, that's just an example from the agent side, but you could very easily take this, again, scope, fees, and oversight, take that to the financial advisor side right and so if you're thinking about scope with a financial advisor you're thinking about budgeting um, are they gonna help you with budgeting are they gonna help you with cash flow are they gonna help you with your investments you know what additional services like potentially bill pay either identifying and/or vetting business investments from a financial perspective for you whatever that may be again this goes back to you setting up your understanding of what you need what services you need and then really understanding the scope of services that that particular advisor is providing for you. Then you look at fees and financial advisors, wealth managers, They their fees all range, whether it's a percent. Um, so, you know, percentage basis based on the assets that you have with them. Maybe there's a monthly retainer. You also have internal fees as it relates to the expense ratios or the built in fees of the different funds or um, investments that you're actually invested in. And so, again, you just want to understand all of the fees and how you are charged uh, when working with that potential advisor. And then the oversight, right? The oversight from, you know, the statements that you receive from them and making sure that you understand those statements. Maybe it's having an investment policy statement in advance that's talking about how they're going to handle um, and manage your investments. Maybe there's a fee analysis that you do and maybe you have another advisor that does that fee analysis for you just to make sure that you're not overpaying for that particular advisor. One of the challenges in the financial world though, I will say in, in all, all honesty, is that you know, if you if you do have another financial advisor do a fee analysis on a particular advisor that you're currently working with, you could expect that if that advisor wants to try to win your business, they're gonna to try to show you, you know, point all the holes out, right? And so one way to kind of get around that is if you're going to do that to potentially say, hey, listen, I'm not going to use you at all. And by you agreeing to do this fee analysis, you're agreeing that um, that I'm not going to be using you and that you're not going to work with me as a as a financial advisor, that you're just going to be providing a service and and maybe you pay for that service. Uh, But again, that way you know that you can try to get at least independent and objective advice uh, on on that aspect of understanding the fees that. That they are charging you. So we're we're kind of going down in this deeper into the weeds on these different advisors. You could do the same thing with a business manager, which you know, business managers are across the board when it comes to the scope of services that they're providing. This is again why it's so critical that you understand what your needs actually are, so that then you can look and see if what they're providing and the scope of services that they're providing, whether that meets the needs that you have, right? And business managers, as we all know, are across the board from Budgeting, bill pay, you know, travel coordination, concierge services, running errands, right? All these, you know, and there's so many more additional services that they may provide. And so it's important to really understand that particular business manager that you're evaluating, what's the scope of services that they're providing? And the fees for business managers range from percentage to, you know, monthly or, or annual retainer, biannual retainer. Obviously, there are expenses where they get compensated or reimbursed for the expenses that they may have on your behalf. Um, and then they may, they may do just some other um, specific projects where there might be some project-based fees. And so the overs- the best oversight with the business manager, and this is one that's oftentimes overlooked, is there has got to be a contract put in place with that business manager. And that contract has to be reviewed because oftentimes... Um, business managers are usually someone that has already been close to that player uh, that has a relationship with that player. And so contracts, you know, sometimes are just pulled off the Internet or not even used at all. Now, there are some very big, very successful business management firms that are out there that obviously are highly lawyered in terms of their agreements. But for the most part, we see a lot of players who are working with business managers that are just people who've been close to them. And so that contract is so critical. Determination is critical, right? The termination provisions within that agreement. And then also just understanding, you know, how are they working with the other advisors around the player? And so is there that, you know, system of checks and balances and additional oversight uh, with the other uh, advisors as well? So again, you know, this is kind of a broad perspective and I guess, you know, listen, I, I have to take at least a quick minute to share, you know, on the attorney side since I'm in that boat and I would I would hate for a listener to say, oh, well, you're going to talk about all these other advisors, but you don't even talk about the attorneys, right? So yes, let me talk about us for a second on the attorney side, our scope of services. So you got to understand what is it that you want that attorney to provide, right? Are you asking them just to analyze, um, you know, specific agreements, are you asking them to be ongoing kind of independent counsel to you uh, for everything that arises? Does that law firm have the capabilities to be able to provide all of those other services that you might need? Estate planning, tax issues when they arise, litigation if somebody's coming after you or you have to go after somebody else, um, real estate counsel, private investments, due diligence, trademark and brand protection, right? So what scope of services does that attorney and or that law firm provide and how does that relate to what you might need? And then fees are just like with others, right? Their hourly fees is the kind of the typical way in which attorneys charge. Uh, there, you know, oftentimes could be a retainer. Sometimes it's a, that renewable retainer. Sometimes it's a one-time retainer. Um, and then there might be times where there could be a flat fee charged as well. And then oversight. Oversight with attorneys is is actually really interesting, right? One of the things that I always recommend for my clients is look at every single bill that I send because there will be a line item for everything that I've charged for, right? So you want to be able to go through and see if somebody just says, okay, hey, um, you owe us X thousands of dollars for this month. And it just says for legal services provided, um, that is not helpful to you. So you want to be able to go through and make sure that you have a good understanding of where, you know, where your, your fees are going. And you also want to make sure that you understand the engagement letter and what type of engagement are you are you having with that attorney or with that law firm. And then the other aspect of oversight is as with other advisors, which is you know, other advisors being able to provide checks and balances. For example, I work closely with um, many financial advisors. And so um, while they're doing financial due diligence, we're doing the legal work. But they oftentimes have seen or have worked with attorneys enough to understand whether an attorney knows what they're doing or not and if they're providing the right services. So I had to just get that in there on the attorney side because you know, um, you know a lot of people will uh, would, would call me out if I didn't do that. So again, the last thing to think about when you're going through this advisor kind of management process is to slow everything down. I mean, I think that's kind of the the main takeaway. Slow everything down because there's no rush. Any advisor that says, no, you got to sign with me right away, That is a big red flag. You want to be able to ask questions and you want to make sure that they can answer, that advisor can answer the questions that you have in a way that you understand. I often tell people, if if I can't answer your questions in a way that you understand, then I'm probably not the best advisor for you because you are paying someone to work for you. And in doing that, you want to make sure that you understand uh, the answers uh, that they're providing. And then finally, you always got to watch out for that yes man, right? The person that just wants to be around you um, and have you as a client, they're going to say yes to everything and anything. Um, That's not going to help you. And that's not what you're paying for. You're paying for someone to give you qualified, independent, and objective counsel, whether it's your agent, your accountant, your attorney, your uh, financial advisor, business manager. It's critically important. So again, I know I went a little bit long today, uh, but I wanted to just really share this information because it is critical information, whether you're an athlete or not, uh, when you think about managing the advisors around you. Again, don't forget, you always want to look at the scope of services provided, the fees that they're charging, and how can you hold them accountable? What type of oversight do you have? So again, this is the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Thanks for being with me. Uh, If you're finding value in these conversations, please do share them with your colleagues, with your friends, your family, shoot with anybody, um, and encourage them to subscribe as we uh, try to provide good information that is helpful to you, our listeners, um, ultimately as we look at how best we can protect athletes and those who work with them. Again, I'm Luke Fedlam. This is the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again real soon. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. The content of this publication is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. It does not necessarily reflect the views of the firm as to any particular matter or those of its clients. Please consult an attorney for specific advice regarding your particular situation.